The Home Show with Color Trend. Bring home Irish color with Color Trend paint. This is News Talk. Welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan, coming up today. As the dust settles after Budget 2022, whether you're a renter or a homeowner, what was in it for you? I quizzed the Minister for Housing. Did you know you can recycle paint? I meet the woman spearheading the nation's rediscovery centre. We look at the new design craze of putting your kitchen on wheels. And clothing is optional as Roisin Murphy gets up close and personal with a genuine Chippendale. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here at The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show on our podcasts on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, one of the best pictures of the week, I thought, uh, or videos, was seeing William Shatner, Captain Kirk himself, finally beaming up into space, courtesy of Jeff Bezos in his automated Blue Origin rocket. The 10 minute journey cost millions, billions possibly, but was priceless in terms of PR. And the 90 year old actor is now officially the oldest person in space. Now, Bezos, of course, has competition from Richard Branson and Elon Musk, space companies. There's an awful lot of machoism, not to mention millions being flung about. And it was left to Prince William uh, and half of Twitter, it has to be said, during the week to suggest that, in fact, they'd all be better off trying to save the planet we all share than finding the next one to live on. But I'm a bit of a space nut, so I'm kind of biased. I would give my right arm to go into space. I really would. I I would do anything for that. I think it'd be an immense experience. Uh, But would you? Uh, how much would you pay or do you think there's a lot more to be done on the planet we're already on uh, without spending a ton of money getting off it? I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, if you had the opportunity to go into space on one of the rockets, would you take the chance? Do you want to see a few more people do it before you take the plunge? And can you ever see space tourism becoming a uh, a kind of a thing in our lifetime. Uh, what else could the money be spent on? Let me know. You can text us here on 53106. Email us here at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you are very welcome along. Well, nobody kind of missed the budget last Tuesday and of particular interest to lots of people was housing. Whether you're an owner, renter or investor, all were listening intently to see what was in it for them. So to take a deeper dive into the measures announced and those that weren't, I'm joined now by Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage, Dara O'Brien. Welcome back to the Home Show, Minister. Delighted to be here. Thanks, Sinead, for asking me on. Now, let's start with uh, the budgetary omissions. Renters have claimed for a long time there was there was... Uh, really uh, they're struggling Uh, things are very very difficult for them and uh, rents are spiralling far ahead of inflation difficult to find a place to live why did you ignore calls for a rent freeze? The the issue of a rent freeze I've brought brought in five different pieces of legislation over the last year we've actually linked rents to inflation um, which is for for the first time that's been done in, in, in a long number of years and we've got to balance what the measures that I take uh, and about how they're going to impact uh, in the sector itself for renters and indeed for the smaller landlords that are out there. We have had an issue over a number of years now of many of the mom and pop landlords in particular leaving the market and supply is an issue. So in the next couple of weeks, I will be bringing in a specific cap on rents. 
um, to a percentage figure if inflation goes over that figure. Well, so, well, hold on, because inflation, I mean, the rent cap at the moment in the rent pressure zone is 4% per year and inflation is 3.7%, we're told. Um, yeah, we've, we've reduced it. The 4% is gone now, OK, with legislation I brought in, uh, I, I brought in in July, OK? So instead of the 4% in RPZs, it's actually linked to the harmonised index of consumer prices. Mm. Now, that has increased... Which is the, the same figure. Well, which is about 3.7% month on month. It was as low as 0.9%, and that's where we wanted to be. But we have seen short-term inflation. So mm. to fix that, and I did say this, that I would do this in July, I'm actually going to bring in a percentage rent cap, which, is, which would be considerably lower than the 4%. And that will be brought in within the coming weeks in this session of the, of the doll. This is going to be a game-changer for renters. It is going to take a bit of time, and I know people are frustrated around this, but... We can't fix all of the issues around around renters and affordability in one year. But I've put the building blocks yeah. in place to do that. And cost rentals actually in place already. We're actually going to have another 50 tenancies tenanted in the coming weeks in Enniskerry Road in South Dublin. Yeah, no, I, I've been looking at that site actually and that development. But it seems to me because the... the kind of clarification about what cost rental means in a lot of European capitals as you know this is linked to people's income so it's not about what the market rate is and then deducting a bit from that it's based on whether somebody's earning Mm 25,000 a year or earning 45,000 a year the rent is based on on that is that the model that you propose to follow? Yeah ours will be that model initially what it is Sinead is that cost rental is the rent will simply cover the cost of building, developing, and managing. Yeah, a but that's so expensive. No, but can I, mean, I give you, can I give, can I give you a real life example of it? Of the first twenty-five tenancies that we actually have in place, we're not linking those tenancies or those rents to the to the rental market. What we're doing is we're saying the cost of of building, developing, and managing the rent will be set on that basis. Okay, mm. uh, we we will have in certain salary and income provisions. But to give you a real life example. In Balbriggan, where the first 25 homes are in place and in situ, those tenants are paying, are paying less than 50% of what the market rent is in that area. That's the type of, of, of rent we're going to be getting to. So it is really significant. And on Enniskerry Road, we're looking at significantly lower rents than the market, around about 50% lower, mm-hmm. but secure tenures. And that's what's really important. Okay. And All to right. back that up, if I could just say one, finally on renters, because... It's a really important sector because loads of young people and not so young people feel very vulnerable in that space. In the coming weeks, when I'm bringing in the legislation for the further rent cap, I'm also bringing in legislation for, to legislate for indefinite tenures. So, and, and that is something we committed to in the programme for government, which is going to be really significant. It will, will bring that security that we need in, uh, in the rental market. But mm. fundamentally then, lots of renters, most of them want to be able to buy and that's why I've focused so many of our measures in our housing plan and in this budget on affordability measures to help those people okay, buy Okay, well, let's, let's get on to buyers then, Minister, because the very expensive help to buy scheme was retained for, for another year. But evidence shows that many of those getting the €30,000 free from the taxpayer don't actually need it. I mean, the loan-to-value rates are under 80% in a lot of cases. Um, Housing inflation, according to KBC's report, which only dropped on uh, Thursday, shows that housing inflation is 10.9%. I mean, you know, you you can't possibly be of the view that that help to buy isn't just inflationary 
for new developers? No, I, look, I think it's, it's a short-term measure. It was brought in by the previous government. Minister Donoghue said it will, it will, you know, be retained for 2022 uh, at the current rate of up to 30,000. Let's remember, it is a ta- effectively a tax rebate. It's a rebate on tax paid by first-time buyers. And let's not forget as well that nearly 23,000 households have used the Help to Buy scheme to help them. H- uh, half of them in, in one-off bills yeah, down I know, the country. But, so. but the other measures which are more long-term, which I'm bringing in, such as the affordable purchase scheme, such as the, uh, as the shared equity scheme, I will see them actually really replacing uh, Help to Buy as it currently is. Help to Buy will be reformed, but I think it is important to say we have seen inflation both in the rental market and obviously in, in, in the housing market itself. A lot of that is down to supply. We cannot ignore the fact that we've had two very difficult years with two severe construction shutdowns mm. where we've only delivered last year about 21,000 homes. This year we'll do a little bit better. So there is, you know, that there is light on the horizon, but we need to be building in the mid-30,000s each year. And that's the figure we need to get to because fundamentally, with the measures we're bringing in that are going to help people own their own home, and that's what I want, and I've stood up for home ownership and for our first-time buyers, people who feel they've been completely disenfranchised and that they're working hard, they're saving, yet they cannot buy. So the affordable housing schemes, of which we're going to bring in over 4,000 affordable homes next year in 2022 and build that up to 6,000 a year, so over 50,000 in the course of the of the yes, no, I understand. But, That's uh, but, really significant. But is know? it not just the case that funneling more money at people means that, in, I mean, it's inevitable that if you just hand people more money and the developers know they're being handed more money, the price just keeps going up. Well, I mean, that's evidenced in the inflation figure. It's three times the level of the consumer price yeah, inflation. We, we've had, look, there, there's a short-term issue in relation to building inflation. There's no question. And anyone that you talk to, and I know you know this yourself, and many of your listeners will as well, the cost of timber, plastic, metals ha- has absolutely skyrocketed in the, la- in the last number of months, mm. not just in Ireland. And house price inflation is not just a- an Irish phenomenon. It's all across Europe, uh, Western Europe, and indeed in the United States. I see that levelling out in twenty. So you think it's, it's just a spike well, at the yeah, moment, well, a temporary we, thing? Because it's been going on now for an awful long time. Well, you know, I think when you, when you look at what we've come through, okay, and not just as a country, but, but you know, globally, uh, the pandemic has had a particular effect obviously not just on our health crucially but in relation to supply chain and in relation to production see next year to be positive about things the projections for new house delivery next year in ireland are actually very good and the anecdotal evidence i have now mm. and from talking to the sector and looking at the commencements housing commencements are are at, at their highest that they've been in years okay, now. Okay, well, let's so talk, so let's talk about that, though. we're in a position to be able to ramp that up, which you, is good. Which a is lot, good. There was a raft of house building measures announced um, by Pascal Donoghue on Tuesday. You know, COVID aside, um, it, it's hard sometimes, I think, for people, um, Minister, they listen to those figures and they, they hear things like 9,500 new social homes, yeah. 4,000 affordable purchase homes. You've just mentioned them there. Yeah. But, but, like... A lot of these are measures that were either previously announced no. or that perhaps will people feel, look, you can announce all the numbers you like. They're going to inevitably get mired up in planning delays, construction delays. Okay. Do you know, like, oh, I get how, the point. what well, can you promise well, actually can, in the ground? OK, and that's a, really, that, that's a really good point because I get that as well, where people are trying to see the wood for the trees and they hear announcements and they're, they're hearing a lot of noise in this sector as well. We do hear predictable criticism from the opposition who would put 
straightforward, simplistic soundbites as solutions. But most people know that to resolve housing is going to take a bit of time. So let's focus on next year. Next year, we will build over 9,000 new social homes and we'll deliver to a short of 12,000 social homes next year. And we will do that. And that's the biggest part. Are they new bills or are they going to be leases and refurbs and stuff that you don't own? 9,000 of them are brand new new bills, which will be the highest new bills delivery ever in the history of the state. And we're going to ramp that up to an average of 10,000 per year. But let's let's stick on next year because that's short term where people can see it. 9,000 new bills on the social homes. Okay. In relation to affordable homes, we're looking at over 4,100 new built affordable homes for our people, okay? 1,580 of them being cost rental minimum. So we, we have this in the pipeline. The more cost rental we bring out into, the, into our country, that in itself has an effect of, of, of putting pressure on market rents that are out there. Mm. We need more homes built fundamentally, and Indeed. that's why with the Land Development Agency, which we've changed it and, and underpinned it with real legislation and real powers, is going to start building on state land next year. Yeah, and, and actually, that's really important. it is important. And it's, a, it's an interesting aspect of it because we know that the state probably owns more brownfield sites. than it's the biggest hoarder of land. Indeed. State, and, and when you say hoarder, it, it then seems even more unusual that when you're going to tax developers or companies or funds that have unused land, it seems to have taken a backward step in this budget, Minister. 3% is the tax proposed for that. Um, but not for another couple of years. Sure, the vacant land levy was 7%. Why would you be charging them less to, to sit on land and not build on it? Two things, if I could say just directly before I answer that. We need land that's designated to be built on should be built on. Okay, And there's many reasons why that, that hasn't happened to the level that we need right now. And that includes the state. So that's why the Land Development Agency will be breaking ground next year and will start delivering homes on land that we own as, as a country for people, both affordable and social. That's the first thing. Secondly, if people are hoarding land, they will be taxed, okay? Now, the lead-in time for this, in getting this, the preparation of the maps right across the country... taxed very little, 3%. Well, no, if you think... It, well, sure, it, infl- it just sitting on the land and doing nothing is going to get them 10%. No, well, it, it, it won't, actually. It, it won't, because this is the tax that will be collected by revenue, okay? That's firstly... The, the, okay, that's you, the policing. You, you, well, yeah. you, you've mentioned, though, you, rightly <laughs> so, you've mentioned the, the vacant site levy. Um, the vacant site levy has not worked. Let's be straight about that. It has, it has collected minuscule amounts of money. People have found ways around it to say, well, the site's being used for this. Yeah, they were allowed loopholes. Yeah. yeah, there won't. This, this tax will be very clearly calibrated. It's been brought in by Minister Donoghue and the Department of Finance uh, really to say to people that we are serious, that we land that's designated for residential must be built on. Mm-hmm. Now, this measure has been brought in with other measures like the land value sharing that I announced in Housing for All, which means the state would get a sizable percentage of any uplift on rezoning. The big issue we have right around the country is we have land zoned to deliver about 450,000 homes across the country, even more that some would say. People will know that there are many sites all around the country that have been designated residential for well over a decade, for 15, 20 Mm. years sometimes, and haven't been built on. If you hoard land, we'll tax you. If you, you will support in a few years, no. Well, actually, the tax will begin to be levied from the first of January, twenty twenty four. Next year, will the maps will be published. People will 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 have to have an opportunity to make comment on it. They can apply then to dezone their land, and then that would be appealed to on board Planola. 
should that decision not be agreed. So we do need a lead in time. So let's be positive about it, though, firstly. We've enough land ourselves to deliver about 145,000 homes. We're going to start doing that in 2022. Mm. The Land Development Agency will be doing a lot of work in that space. And I've given them the money to be able to start to develop uh, those lands out. That will be done. Affordable housing measures for next year of nearly of over 600 million euro, where people next year will be able to buy affordable homes directly through their local authorities or themselves through the shared equity scheme, giving them actually choice out there in the market where the state takes that equity piece. Yeah. So, any, any word back from the central bank, by the way, on whether you're going to be allowed to do that, Minister? Well, work is ongoing with them and yeah. work has been ongoing it's with the Department of Finance as well. And I'd expect the scheme to be up and running uh, early next year. Right. And, that, and that work has been going well. But we've already brought in the Affordable Housing Act that's in place. Mm. That underpins our affordable rental and also our affordable purchase through our local authorities. So, Exactly. Just to, as a final question, I know sure. you probably get advice from people all of the time about mm-hmm. what you should be doing, could be doing, would be doing yes. and all that. And but, I welcome it. But I'm interested, well, I'm, I'm interested in whether you welcomed one particular piece of advice that you got from the billionaire businessman mm-hmm. Dermot Desmond. Now, in case listeners missed uh, that, he wrote you a letter um, that yes. said that buying and leasing social homes from investment funds was a criminal waste of money. They're having a laugh at government, he said. It's a misguided strategy and left housing prey to greedy developers. Now, Mr. Desmond can hardly be called a socialist. No. Isn't he right? And and look, Dermot wrote to me. I wrote to him back. And um, I met with him virtually, and we discussed it, because I've been a critic of long-term leasing. I was a critic of it in opposition. I'm actually phasing it out. Uh, And we were doing that well before we received any correspondence from, from Mr. Desmond either, because... It, it, it is very difficult to argue the value for money for lots of the long-term yeah. leasing. Now, there are exceptions, if I could say. Uh, the exceptions around um, the Housing First that is run by Peter McVeary Trust and others, where we take older buildings back out and, and get them back into use, the repair yes, and, and the sitting lim- living and the yeah, repair and leasing so, and all so that. There are, so all leasing isn't bad, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's two and a half thousand still waiting on signature. You say you're phasing it out. Well, I, mean, I am phasing it out. There's 70 in my own constituency, South yeah. Dublin County Council. And, and you know what, Sinead, uh, I've been very clear that, that we're phasing this out o- over the term of this government and have shown how we're going to do it. Fundamentally, well, if I could say, yeah. we're in a good space for next year. Okay. And well. I, I really do believe it. I think it's important and I really enjoyed talking <laughs> you, to you this morning. But good, right. we, we are in a good space you for mi- next year and we're going to see good delivery next year. You might have some people uh, who have yet to be convinced of that. That's but true. Thank you, uh, Minister Dara O'Brien, for coming on the show uh, and talking to us about those measures which you hope to implement next year. That's Minister for... Housing, Local Government and Heritage, Dara O'Brien. Now, still to come on the Home Show, we all know the importance of recycling. But did you know that Ireland has a national facility that will show you how to recycle furniture, fashion and even paint? We meet the CEO of the Rediscovery Centre after the break and later on, Roisin Murphy will be undressing at Chippendale. Oh my. So grab yourself a coffee and some baby oil perhaps and join me back on the Home Show here on News Talk after this. The Home Show with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk. 
Welcome back to the Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now, before the break, I was speaking to Housing Minister Dara O'Brien about the housing measures in the budget. I'd be interested to know what you think about that uh, on his uh, comments and his take on the budget measures. If you'd like to get in contact with us today, you can text us at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And of course, to listen live or listen back, you can do so on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Now, News Talk has teamed up with SSE Artisti to take a deep dive into climate change and sustainability. And we are big fans of that here on The Home Show. We all want to live a cleaner, greener world. And we know that small choices can make a big difference uh, to the world we want to live in. As part of the series, we're getting the expert view from activists and specialists as we explore the hurdles we must clear to protect our planet and discuss how we can all reduce waste and energy consumption. And today on The Home Show, we are going to take a look at how you can recycle things around the home from furniture to paint and I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Miller CEO of the Rediscovery Centre in Dublin very welcome along Sarah Thanks Sinead You upcycle you recycle you create and you sell uh, the products that you have out there Yeah So tell me a little bit about the type of things we're talking about Right So we have four cent- social enterprises at the Rediscovery Centre So we've Rediscover Furniture Rediscover Fashion Rediscover Paint and Rediscover Cycling and all of those social enterprises take donations of furniture or bicycles or fashion or paint that people no longer want and they reuse it, they remake, redesign, rebuild to bring those products back to their former life or in some cases to actually upcycle them so that they're even more beautiful than they were before. And then all of those products are for sale in our shop in the Rediscovery Centre in Ballymun. And also we have an eco store which uh, sells products from all over the country, from other eco designers, um, everything from homewares through to home cleaning products and beautiful furniture and bicycles. And I had a look at your shop, which I must say is lovely. And there's some really, really nice pieces there. They're not terribly expensive. You know, I think it'd be a lot more expensive to go in and buy new for for a lot of these things. And you're getting, of course, unique pieces. Uh, Now, it's also a place uh, which provides community employment and skilling. So, So talk to me about how that works. Yeah, so all of the social enterprises work to provide training and and work experience for people who have been distanced from the workplace for a long time. So we work with people, we provide them with technical skills through the furniture upcycling or bicycle mechanics training um, and also work with them on a a personal level as well to help them with maybe interview skills or personal development to get them into a job. And over 90% of the people that we work with go on to get jobs after they've finished a training programme with us. So it's very successful from an employment point of view. Mm. How, how many do you have um, studying at the moment or training or working there? So at the moment, um, in total, we probably have about 45 staff. Um, 20 of those are core staff and 25 would be on a training programmes okay. with us. Interesting. Uh, so some of the projects then you have, um, I, I think the one probably I'm most interested in is paint because it's such a dreadful substance in once. I mean, it's really unfriendly to yeah. the planet. Um, but uh, we're always left with, you know, an inch of paint at the bottom of a can or half a can that we didn't get to use. And we don't know whether to leave it in the shed in case something chips off or where a lot of recycling places won't take it. How do you manage with that? It's a great project, to be honest. So what we do is all of those, you know, half tins of paint that you have and you leave at the recycling centres, we work in partnership with the local authorities. We take that paint, we bring it back to to our workshops and we basically clean it, we remix it 
and we make it available for very affordable prices to community organisations, but also to individuals as well through the shop. So it's, you know, it's a really simple process. We take the paint, we make sure that it's clean and ready for reuse and then we make it um, available to customers. And of course you can you can use it yourselves in a lot of these projects because I, some of the uh, upstyled furniture pieces are brightly coloured and stenciled and we were talking about stenciling last week on the show yeah. so you know it's one of those things that's a, a, a particular art form. Uh, so I, get, I guess you get to use it a lot. Yourself. We do yeah we have great fun you know mixing and coming up with beautiful new vibrant colours and using that on the furniture and in community projects that we're working with as well so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity. Very good. And you do some work in schools as well? We do. We actually have a, a, a very comprehensive education programme across the country. It's funded under the FSFI um, Discover Initiative. And yeah, we're going out to all schools. We're talking about sustainability. We're talking about the circular economy. We're working with kids to help them provide the solutions for the future. So it's a really good project working with thousands of kids across the country. Now, Sarah, um, you have lots of workshops and programmes and all of that coming up. Uh, Tell me what's on. Okay, well, this weekend we're participating in Open House, so you can come along and have a look at the building and talk to our staff and ask us any questions you have about sustainability. Also, because it's International Repair Day, we have workshops on clothing repair and they're being done by Rediscover Fashion. We also have a workshop on bike maintenance and that's uh, Rediscover Cycling. We're obviously doing that today. And we have a great workshop for um, families to make your own superhero costume as well for Halloween. Well, listen, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Home Show. That was Sarah Miller, CEO of the Rediscovery Centre in Dublin. Thank you very much. News Talk goes green with thanks to SSE Electricity, Ireland's largest provider of 100% green energy. And after the break, there's going to be a bit of this. So make sure to join me back on the home show here on News Talk in a few moments. Welcome back to the Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now at the top of the show, I was interviewing Housing Minister Dara O'Brien. I'd be very interested in hearing your views on what he had to say about the budget. You can text us here at 53106 or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. But now it's time for this. Welcome, Roisin Murphy, well, into that, the News Talk studio. That is a fine entrance song for anybody, any ladies of my vintage. <laughs> Cheer you right up. It's and my own. Uh, now, why are we playing that? Let's get back to reality. We are actually talking about not the Chippendales, but... Chippendale Furniture. Yes. Chippendale Furniture. Google it, ladies. What a letdown. <laughs> what a letdown. I don't know. They have a lot in common. I'll tell you the blow. Stripping back. The ball and back. claw, foot and all of that malarkey. Bit of the old polished mahogany yes, yes. chest. A nice turn to leg. Okay, okay, Chippendale Furniture. All right. So ugly, big brown pieces from a very long time ago, which make a fortune on the Antiques Roadshow. 
anything more to say about anything it? more to say is okay I was intrigued by this because I found uh, in one of my uh, magazines the story about the some fine house and the correspondence and exchange between him and Mr Chippendale where the big fine lord wouldn't pay, pay for his Chippendale furniture but then they they showed these rooms. Apparently, he was an interior decorator as well as a furniture designer. But it was you suddenly thought, going, what was the story with Chippendale? Like Chippendale is that phrase; it's thrown and bandied about around all the time in terms Even of design. Even people who know nothing about furniture will know, will know that name. Yes, won't they? it's like a Chesterfield suite. So Thomas Chippendale was a he was a joiner in the 18th century, and he worked with primarily um, big houses. But he produced this digest of designs. He, produ- he was very influenced by the French fo- uh, furniture, which was the Rococo period, which is that, you know, the shell, the distinctive shell mm. and vines that mm. emerged from France. All to, it all goes back to France. Everything goes of back course, to France. And post, style. what we would have had was Louis Fourteenth, Palace of Versailles, Marie Antoinette. That was actually quite a strict and heavy Baroque style. And then Rococo emerged out of that into a much lighter, ornate style. And you would have seen all these shells and sconces. That could go to regular houses. I I mean, very grand regular houses. But it wasn't necessarily linked to palatial homes. Oh, no, it was linked to palatial homes. Oh, Jesus, Sinead. The place (laughs) stuff. teeming with shells and feet and claws and gilding. Teeming and upholster and that very heavy draped look. Mm. But I have to say, anybody who likes Mrs. Bouquet will know that we took to it. We took to the old Rococo period. But the English made this adapted versions. They were all influenced by the French. And in particular, this guy, Chippendale, he was a master, Mr. Habitat of his own period. If you remember how Habitat blew everything over mm, us in mm. terms of modern design and furniture, that idea of furniture. Well, Chippendale was the same thing. And at one point he had up to about 50 craftsmen working for him and he went right through the ranges. He went from posh four-poster bed. The, one of the most expensive pieces he ever produced was this uh, commode, which is, oh, yes, right. we all know what a commode the, is. Where you don't have the indoor plumbing. Yeah, and as would have been of the day. And he produced one that went for two million Two million at auction is the most Jeez. expensive piece of furniture ever sold. So it looked like a chest of drawers. Yeah. All that curvy, curvaceous stuff. Lots of veneers, but distinctive marquetry of like inlaid woods and stuff. And there was three distinct phases and types of it. There was the gothic looking stuff, which is where it uh, imitated churches and big, huge, gothic, pointy arches. Then there was the chinoise, which was this very trendy Chinese influence or chinoise it was known, where they basically, it was a lot of lacquer, but a lot of sort of what you would call crisscross members mm. and then there was this kind of romantic um, thing it moved into which was a neoclassical period when his son took over the business and there was more of an influence of sort of the what we would call the Greco-Roman styles which were basically the kind of that Roman influence which stripped everything back all that curved back was removed and we looked at a much more kind of classical period mm. but a very distinctive thing that we all like to remember is the ball and claw Ball yeah. and claw, Sinead. I remember and thinking as a child, like, what are those? What are they exactly? And it went on for... I, I it's still here. Of have a, it is. And it went and to America. It went everywhere. Because astonishingly of fashionable. And I, I don't know what the, what the etymology of it, but mm. to me, it seems like a very British thing. No. It was the lion, no, the it's claw. Very, it's very French. It's just watered down French. Like, but the, the fundamental thing was, and this was the really odd thing. He produced this digest of designs. So that he robbed was French that like designers. like a how-to? Yeah. Now, in fairness, he robbed, according to Britannica, he was, they, as always with designers, they borrow each other's ideas mm. and he, he was no different. So what he did was produce this Bible of design. It was the first time ever done a catalogue. 
and it was for joiners and designers. So it meant that if you were in Dublin, you could look at Chippendale's designs and you could copy them. Replicate them. Replicate okay. them. You bought plates okay. for him. This was a phenomenon of the time. And that's one of the reasons I think that it spread so widely because people could look at it and it was an easy access to information and it was the first thing of its kind. He then went, he worked very closely with an architect called Adams and you know those famous Adams mm-hmm. fireplace mm-hmm. and he brought, Adams was bringing in that Georgian period, the two of them amalgamated and they made some super furniture like those Georgian armchairs, you know, like forgetting about the, what we associate Chippendale with those distinctive ornate dining room chairs. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just, but think about a Georgian couch. A Georgian couch is one of the most beautiful things. Mm. I, they're like a seat on legs. Mm. They're so mm. delicate and so refined. You know, all our couches are heavy, clunky. Yeah. They were like the ladies' settee yeah. and beautifully decorated with yeah. silks and, and silks. And, and that's a distinctive yeah. characteristic yeah. would be silks. And, and, and if you think about that, that the, the, those silk lined, as well as that, the silk lined wallpaper was a big thing. The, the mm. thing that we, the, from the, what they call is the Indias. Now it was actually made, brought from China, but it was called the Indian uh, Wallpaper Company because it came on an Indian freight ship. So he kind of set in motion then a theme for the period, not just in the furniture, but in how you would display the furniture and how it would live within a room. Yeah. Is there still a market for Chippendale? A- apart from antiques, you know, ex, you know, people buying them for. I have for to say, what purposes. really struck me when I was reading about this was that you know the word rococo, which we associated with certain type of design, actually became a disparaging term. In, mm. it, that's where it came from. People go, it's very rococo because it went so out of fashion. It went there. so out of fashion. Yeah. So it is about fashion. But an original piece of Chippendale, I'd, I, I actually challenge anybody. Anybody, including me, any minimalist to say, oh, I don't want that in my room. Because one piece of, say, an original piece of furniture like that, apart from the fact that it's very hard to get, very expensive, but they are of themselves the Habitat, the Conrans, the, the Pawsons, the minimalists. They are their passion of that century. And you're right back into thinking of that era. And it was also considered quite feminine. The Rococo period was kind of a breakaway from this masculine Baroque. And they talk about it as being a gender was thing. curved furniture and yes, bentwood was brought in gilded. and delicate and gilded. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it also is that thing where you, I have, I own a Georgian pod table, and I remember as a child, as you did on the Saturday morning when we were all out at the workhouse. My mother is now <laughs> throwing tomatoes at the radio. We polished furniture. That was the big thing to polish your mahogany furniture, mm. and there is a whole labour in that. There is. But you would see the claw marks and the feet marks and dust gatherers now as well. But dust, dust, it dust sits everywhere. But I think a piece particularly an antique piece, brown furniture is still, as it's known in the industry, is still lower than it should be for what it is. But rather than seeing it as kind of just an empty uh, passion of our parents, I think it it is something very interesting to have in a very modern uh, uh, apartment. Indeed. Now, that is our poll for today. Uh, Chippendale or the Chippendales? Right. (laughs) Let us know on (laughs) 53106. I'd say we'll be split 50-50 on that. I'd say it could be an (laughs) 80-20 split (laughs) in fairness. All right. Okay. Now, of course, you are Mm. in the middle, we know, of doing up your kitchen at the moment. Maybe Chippendale won't make peace. But uh, we want to talk to you about your very inventive, creative design for your kitchen because we all love an old kitchen island, you know, these days and everybody has it. But where do you put it? What's on it? And what if you don't like where it is? You have a solution. I have. Well, I wrote a big piece about this about a couple of months ago and uh, I even got a phone call from the BBC about it. They were so kind of going because I eschewed the uh, island I said I don't want the island I looked at this big huge space and I thought why like an island for island are space is it not the law 
It is the law in kitchens. If somebody said they will unearth Pompeii, will be stripped back, and we will know that if it, we will know what period it is in the millennium because there'll be no kitchen islands, right? Islands are Niger- blame Nigella Lawson, blame all the big, blame those cookery shows, mm. all the islands, and this idea of display and. You know, but also it's very handy to do homework and you're chopping vegetables. And you yes, can, you're not you, going to do without it's, one. It's that thing of of time. No, you are going to do without one. I am doing without one. I cannot. I am not going to make all this space and fill it full of an island. I can't. I, mentally, I can't go there because. And there was that great judge uh, from Home of the Year, the architect, who turned around and said, "What about space to dance?" So if you have a small terraced house, putting in an island often means you won't put in a dining room table. So you're yeah. either a casual fine diner on the breakfast bar. Or, you know, and or else you have an awful lot of space. But there is an in-between. Okay. okay. Give us the in-between. Just the, before everybody has a heart attack, that the, the island has to be gone. No, well, the in-between is that you can put a mobile island in. You put your island on wheels. Ah, uh, here. Yes, sorry, I am Are here. Are you kidding? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm absolutely... Cause I, a moving island. A moving island, yes. Like floating little meringues. <laughs> Moving, <laughs> fabulous. How is that going to work then? Because that's a pair. Like I, I personally speaking, do know the value of an island. I, I there's no way you can get away with it. Not there is that thing of the butcher block. It was known in the mid the nineties as a butcher block. No, if you're putting them on wheels, oh, people right. are doing it. They're putting so this their is like on a wheels. big butcher's block that you move around the kitchen where you need yeah, it. Yes. Okay. So you can sit up against the wall right. and then you can move it out so that if you are doing your book club and you want all the girls to take a few uh, bits and pieces or you're doing a birthday party and you you know you want that adaptability. A buffet counter. A buffet <laughs> counter as Mrs. Bouquet would say. A buffet. But the idea of putting it on wheels right. so that it moves. Now you do need clear wall space but it does it, it does It breaks. No, I would people, think. Well, you, yes. But essentially people I also then discovered that this huge amount of adaptability because people with the COVID started to eat and cook outside. So there's actually entire ranges of furniture that now move because you would you're laughing. <laughs> Laugh though you may. Okay. No, I look See, at I'm that. thinking that technically here's what I here's what I think. Technically it can move. But once it's in place, you're not going to budget. You get used to your kitchen. I like everything being where it always is, where I know it's going to be. I want to reach out my hand in the dark and be able to pull out a pot from where I know it's going to be. Rather than reach out, the island is gone and I fall over. (laughs) Well, you see, the thing is, what would then, what would you use? That's again, back to the basics of how you cook, how you, I always start every kitchen um, first of all, the size of a room does impact. Islands and peninsulas in particular are invaluable in a oh, small space. the old space. isthmus in the kitchen. The isthmus, right. apart from the dark corner that yeah. we can't talk about, I'm obsessively cannot stand a U-shaped kitchen. I actually, it's it's a, it, I'm allergic to, to unused corners in kitchen design. So the island then would have to be neat enough to go somewhere other than the island. So it has to go up against a wall when just, it's not being used there. Yes. And, okay. Yeah, but think about it like a cabinet. If it's a narrow yeah. enough one, that's just a cabinet. Now, okay. the thing is, you wouldn't put services in one like that. But there are ones where you can actually put like cookers to the side. They're, mm. they're, they are adaptable and they have now got dishwashers, washing machine with flexible hoses so that you can do all of that. Right. It is... It is a very interesting kind of um, lightness of touch in terms of use, for, but, but also you can have a peninsula. I'm going back to the peninsula because I know you brushed over it there, but it's a very important part. We have islands and peninsulas. <laughs> the peninsula the, yeah. is an island attached to the wall. Like, okay. Yeah, right. L-shape. Okay, kind of thing. There yeah. are, if you can imagine that and you rotate it back, 
and then forward and back. You think about how adaptable right. that is for yeah. when the day you want all your in-laws around and you want all your family around and you're going to have a host of Christmas dinner. For oh God, yeah, we have to start doing all that yeah, again. Yeah, but think about that in terms of yeah. you have an island that's going to prevent a large eating space. Right. So if you have one that's hinged to the side wall, that means you can seat 18 or you can seat back to the breakfast Okay, actually probably a hinge is the best way to think about it. You're hinging it forward and hinging it back again. All right. Okay. Now, so let me know what you think about that. Mobile Kitchen Islands, it is now on the home show. Don't we have notions? And uh, hinged. And hinged. hinged. Um, so every week you bring me in an object of design. I'm looking at a box which you're opening. The first thing I'll tell you folks is, and I never know what's in this, it has fragile in tape all the way round, which for me is always a worry. What is in this? Oh, Oh, goodness me. Okay. This. Speaking of the Chippendales. I'm not any the wiser, I'll be honest with you. This is a metal uh, uh, cup. It looks like two of them and it has a... You're not supposed to be wise. ...on the top. They are, is this one, pieces, please tell me this is art. This is Celia Moore. And I have to okay. say it is, open that one as well. Oh, These one. are three oh. of her pieces. She's featured. Okay. That in, makes more sense. Actually. She's in the RHA okay. yeah. uh, this year, which is an exhibition that's running up on Eli Place up in Dublin. And it is an annual exhibition of all the best art in Ireland. Not the best art, but the selected art. They have a, they have a, a and this Celia Moore is exhibit, Cecilia Moore, sorry, apologies, is exhibiting there. Um, so these are semicircular um, metal discs and they roll actually, they're, they're mobile. There's a, there's an old mobile unit there mm-hmm. and it has, um, they're in different colours, so blue and green and brown, kind of copper. And on the top, there is a feature which looks a bit like, you know, one of those children toys that you see in doctor's waiting rooms where you move the beads around all the way around it. There's like one of those on the top of each. I have to say, Roisin, the three of them together are actually quite beautiful. They are very beautiful. And I have to say... That and they have, they have something inside. They're called the three like squiggles, okay? I could not yes. have to... Sc- if I said that, people right, would find a, me insulting. See, Cecilia Moore is a silversmith, okay? Mm-hmm. And sure, she has peace in the RHA, along with our very uh, Alison Kay, a few of the people who we've had in objects over the over the years. Yeah. Um, so, Cecilia, this is not the piece that's in the RHA, but she is a, a silversmith. So she And she's got this thing, a technique called raising, which pushes this metal up, a little hammering that goes all the way around to form these objects. I suppose we haven't had, we've had one piece of metal before, mm. so I thought it would be very interesting to bring a three-dimensional object in. But the RHA is a very, it's also to highlight the RHA, which is a really an important exhibition. It hasn't happened because of the lockdown, okay? So... It is where all selected artists, artists from all over the country, anybody can enter, anybody can put their work in and it's selected by a team up in the Royal Irish Academy, I, I think Royal I w- RHA. It's worth going into the RHA. You will see all of the work is for sale. Okay. Just to say there are small emerging artists there with tiny pieces of painting. We haven't been able to visit it for two years. And it's, it's a nice day out. And it, it's okay. really, really important to support artists at the moment, but also to support the RHA because this exhibition is one of those really important Wonderful. events in the uh, calendar right. of art in Ireland. Well, these are, if you want to have a look at the squiggles, three squiggles in metal. Uh, they are ceciliamore.ie is the website. And on Instagram, cecilia underscore more underscore silversmith. And you can take a look at that. And Roisin, you'll pop a picture up on your own Insta. I, I shall indeed. Which is? Uh, Roisin Murphy Architect, <laughs> not 
Chippendales. All right. And I'll pop my uh, it up on mine, which is Sinead Ryan 100. You'll find me up there on Instagram. I have to say I'm still getting used to that uh, particular medium. And that is all we have time for this week. Roisin, thank you so much for coming in uh, to us again this week. You are most you are most welcome. I and loved the music this week. I thought it was excellent. <laughs> it was. I'll, I'll bring something fun. appropriate next week. Or I'll Thomas will be turning in his grave. Now, if you've got a question. Twelve children. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he knew that he was <laughs> fine. The Twelve children, two wives. <laughs> I want to see the documentary on him. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's anything you'd like us to cover on the home show, um, stripping furniture makers Woo-hoo! aside, uh, near me. Let us know. Five three one zero six. We are open all week. Thirty cent uh, or the home show at newstalk.com and that is open all the time. We get to look at every single one. And don't forget to check out the home show podcast on the News Talk website. That's all we do have time for this week. Uh, thanks to the production team, Gareth Mulhall, Stephen McLoon. Up next, it's Anton Savage, and he's boldly going where no man has gone before. You won't want to miss that. Have a fantastic weekend and remember we're at the earlier time of 8am each Saturday. See you again next week.